Welcome to In Bed with Klee, a podcast on the front lines of sex and intimacy. Welcome to this week's episode of In Bed with Klee, featuring Eneka Thalad, a good friend of mine. Eneka, welcome so much. I'm so excited to have you on this. I'm so grateful you could come. Um, what I'd love for you to do, for anyone who's watching or listening, I'd love if you could tell them who you are. Awesome. Thank you, Quillen. It's great to be here. Um, yeah, thank you for inviting me. Um, so as you said, my name is Aneka Theolad, and I'm a certified home life trainer and coach. And what that means is that I train individuals and couples um, how to do the practice of orgasmic meditation. And I also coach people, um, or people and couples around sex, desire, and self-esteem. I'm the co well, the founder. Who am I co-founding with? I'm the founder of Housewives Alchemy Coaching, which is all about being going from frustrated to fabulous. So yeah, that's me. I love this. Frustrated to fabulous is so hot. Who doesn't want that? Um, right. <laughs> right. So I love that you've already brought up the practice of orgasmic meditation. That's how we met. We both met in the same coaching program. I'd love if you could explain the practice for anyone who's new to it and in just a bit more detail so that they can get a good grasp of it. Sure. Um, so orgasmic meditation is a body-based um, practice that requires two people. So unlike traditional meditation, you don't do it alone. So it requires a partner. So it's a partnered meditation in which one of the partners, um, usually a man, but doesn't have to be, and um, from here on, we'll call him the stroker, or her the stroker, strokes um, the clitoris of the strokey or the female partner, um, the strokey is always female, um, for 15 minutes with no goal other than to stay present and to feel, feel sensation as it arises in their bodies and keep their attention on the point of connection between them, which is between the index finger on the clit, basically. It's a bit convoluted, but I, I can do better as we go along. But that's essentially what it is. It's a body-based practice in which two people do a meditation that involves female genitals. It's great because so many people, when I bring up the, the words orgasmic meditation, they're always like, so do you breathe a lot? Do you visualize? And it's like, no, baby, it's fingers on clits, right? That's right. Well, one finger. On the clits. That's true. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good adjustment. And, um, so to dial it back a bit, what got you into the practice? What, what, what inspired you to try it out? Well, this is an interesting one because it wasn't, you know, there wasn't any desperation. They say you're usually motivated by inspiration or desperation. But for me, it was actually curiosity. Um, and so I'd done another personal development program called the Landmark Forum, which kind of made me open to new experiences all over the place. Um, I'd also, in a previous life, I'd been a journalist. So a friend of mine um, from the forum said, oh, he was going to this um, OM event. And I was like, what's OM? And he's like, what? You don't know about orgasmic meditation? I was like, orgasmic what? And then he told me what it was. I burst out laughing. I was like, there is no way there are people on this planet who do that. He was like, yes way. And um, yeah, basically the curiosity got the better of me. So I, I went the next week. Yeah, a lot of people are pulled by desperation. So I, I love that you were just a yes to it from the get go. I wouldn't say to the practice, but to like discovering what the hell this thing was, for sure. Like the first thing wasn't, I didn't hear orgasmic meditation and think, oh my God, that's going to change my life or, you know, this is going to fix my relationship. I didn't have any of that at first. I just wanted to know what it was. The rest of those things came later, pretty swiftly on the back of it. But the first thing was just curiosity. Yeah. And how have you found that people have found it? So when you tell people I do this practice, I teach this practice, 
what's what's the typical response you get I think um, it's confusion. I think there, you know, people don't necessarily get it at first. Um, so it's sort of, you know, there are giggles because there's the word orgasmic in it. So, you know, automatically it's about sex somehow. Um, so it's giggles, like what's that? Um, I don't think that people automatically think it's something that involves them or something that they want to do. But it's like you give them a little bit more information about how what it is and how it works, and then people are usually turned on to the idea. I'd say. Yeah, Pete, I love where you mentioned turned on because that's what the whole practice is about, right? Well, it's not the whole thing, but it's like an ignition of turn on and pleasure in your body. Um, was that your experience? Well, funny enough, that's what I was thinking about. It's like when I went into my first event, it was almost as though the room was thick with this, well, now I would say sensation that I couldn't describe. And it was like, whoa, what was this? It felt really juicy and like warm. It felt like the room was hugging me without anyone physically hugging me. And I was like, what is this thing? What is this thing? And that's what kind of like, you know, I, I started, my mind started to like um, really go over time trying to understand what was happening. It's like, how could a room feel that way you know I often tell people there was this really strange sensation of coming home to something and so for me maybe that was turn on but the way I experienced it was like a hug something really embracing and warm and just kind of fizzy I felt really excited to be there and in fact that night I don't think I slept very well after the event I was just so yeah turned on excited like excited in my body and like whoa still asking the question what was that I had a similar experience when I went to my first event and I was just like, oh, I meant to do this. I was like, it was like a visceral knowing in my body where I was like, oh, I meant to do this radical practice. Uh, and yeah, I didn't have the language for it then to be like, oh, I'm really turned on. But the whole time in the class, I had flushed red cheeks. <laughs> I was sitting there like so turned on going, oh my God, there's people who stroke my clit, you know. I couldn't believe sure. it. I thought it was so radical. And how did you progress from that initial experience where it was like a hug and like this is something different, I can't sleep, to being a woman who teaches people about it and where you like hold connection? How did that happen? I ask myself that in the mirror every day, Quilin. <laughs> You're on my spot. No, but um, seriously, I, initially, if I'm honest, like that first feeling that I described had me so confused. I'm very... I'm, now I would describe myself as someone who was always in her head. I didn't know it at the time, um, but here I was in this thing for which I had no words. And so that pulled me towards it because I needed to know. I needed to have words to define it. I needed to be, because people were asking me, well, what is it? And I'm like, I, you know, I didn't have to. So that was the first thing that, that drew me in. So I kept going. I actually learned the practice um, to get more answers to that. They, you know, there was another kind of goal that crept in um, I'm in my second marriage. My first ended after 11 years. I was hitting that 11 year place with my new husband. And I was like, oh, maybe this thing could be like the antidote to what I at that time had a story that marriages end after 11 years, unless you get really purposeful about them. So I'm like maybe Om could make us purposeful. So we both went to learn Om. But the bigger thing really was to have this language was to be able to describe what I could feel in my body but didn't have words for when I was around other OMAs, when I was at OM events. And so, yes, I learned it. <clears throat> then at the time, there were lots of courses. Now we sort of, you know, things have changed a lot. But back then, you could do something called a healing course. So basically, I just started to eat it up. I was like, whatever's available to, you know, to give me the language for what I'm feeling, I want it. And 
basically it began to change my life, you know, dramatically. There was like, um, after my first OM, in fact, I, um, I laughed so deeply from my belly for the first time in years. It was like being a little kid again, like it was like hysterical laughter and it felt so good. And I was like, what, is, you know, again, what is this? It's like, I didn't feel a lot in that first OM, but the belly laugh afterwards. And I was like, there is something phenomenal afoot here, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> All he's doing is stroking my clit, like, you know, really lightly for 15 minutes, you know, in so many ways, it wasn't even erotic, you know? So yeah, and so yeah, basically I ate up everything, got myself into the coaching program in which I met you and really had some phenomenal like breakthroughs in terms of my understanding of myself as a woman and the, the kind of power I wield. And so, yeah, the rest was a done deal. I was like, I need to give this to other women and men. Um, and yeah, that, the rest is history. I, I want to dial back to that spot where you said that it wasn't even that sexy. So where someone's, because like, uh, I'm sure a lot of people are like, how is that possible? Someone's stroking your clit and it's not that sexy. Can you say more? Yeah, I think this is the thing. It's like, we, you know, we eventually tell people that, you know, OM is more like meditation than it is like sex, right? And Nicole Daydon, who pretty much brought this practice to the world in its current form, she describes OM as sex stripped back to its most basic, right? So it's like basically, yeah, just, just touch, touch and, you know, feeling. And so there is a way that um, it's so light. It's such a small, you know, it's like, a little stroke on a very tiny portion of the female genitals. And sometimes that area can feel very sensitive and the sensations can be like out of this world and can feel really pleasurable. And sometimes they're quite muted. You know, we say as in OM, as in life. And I found that with my husband, um, that when we OM, the OMs are quite, um, they're like our relationship. They're reliable. You know, they kind of have a very, um, what is that word? Like a consistent sensation to them like you know I don't want to it's not predictable because it can have these you know there are beautiful waves inside but it's like um it's basically our ohms reflect our relationship I can depend on them to fill a particular way and then it's only when I went on to own with other people I discovered that ohms feel different with different people and they feel different with the same person you know different times and it's like it's um again some of it does defy still defies my words but yeah so it's you know, no, we say no two ohms are the same, and that's true here. And some of them are super pleasurable, some of them are very muted, and some of them, you know, depending on what's going on, can even be quite painful. But we learn to relax into that um, and discover what there is to discover in sensation that way. That's so gorgeous. And I, I've had a similar range of experiences where it's sometimes it's transcendent, and other times it's like you just, it's like someone's scratching and you want to kill them. Right. <laughs> or like a shard of glass and it's so electric and intense. So it's the whole range. Um, I think a lot of people would, would be curious about the fact that you've been in an 11 year relationship with your husband, you started owning, and then you own now it's th now it's Now it's almost 14, but yeah. Yeah, if anyone's in the 11 years and they're considering ohm, you know, it could help. Um, what, what, was it a big discussion to open up owning to with other partners? Was that straightforward? How did that go then? I mean, it was, I'll say it was pretty straightforward in that it didn't, it didn't bring up like jealousy. The first time we owned with other people, we actually went together. So they're uh, in community. Um, so I'm a part of the London home community and we will have like what we call group practice. 
Um, and so this is just people practicing in the room. No one's facing each other. You know, your genitals are private. Um, but the first time we did that, we went together and he was super nervous. I remember that. He was like, you sure? Maybe we should just go back home. Like, we don't really need to do this. And it was just, you know, nerves. And I was nervous too, um, but not as much as him. And he's very traditional. We were both brought up in the Caribbean. And so he was just like, oh, you know, somebody else is going to see your genitals. I'm going to touch somebody else. You sure you want to do this? Um, and I was like, just pretty sure because I was in like a women's group by then, a women's OM group. And people were talking about this variety of experience in OM that I didn't feel like I had access to um, just in my relationship. And I don't want to use the word just, but it felt as though there was something available um, if we began to practice with other people in the same way you would go to meditation class and practice with other people or, you know, not, it wasn't so much um, opening up to say at that point, sexual experiences with other people, but it was very much like, oh, what becomes available in connection with other people around home? And so, yeah, we went together and he discovered that he had a different type of experience too, you know, and he was like, oh yeah, it is different with other people. And so we shared that and it was pleasant and we could talk about it all, all the way back home. And so there hasn't been a problem. We don't, we don't have like lots and lots of other partners, if I'm honest, like I have um, two other people who I've been oming with for like, I'd say the last three years, but other than that, and you know, he kind of varies. So it's, yeah, it's something that, you know, at first we really opened up and then we, yeah, we got our regular partners and it became a practice for us both. This is so wonderful because I know when I tell people about orgasmic meditation and that, oh, we practice with various people, it just blows their mind. So just to hear how you describe it in so matter of fact terms and that it was such a bonding experience for you and your husband, it's amazing. So it shows people what's possible. But can I actually say something there? Because, you yeah. know, there's something that occurs to me that for me specifically, it became a point of power opening up to other people. I'm someone who was raped in my late teens. You know, I had a very challenging relationship um, with men generally. I'd call myself a serial monogamist because of it. So I've had like these two really long-term relationships. The first I got into when I was 19 and went on to have three kids by the time I was 24. There was something very specific for me in opening up. Because um, every time I did, there was this way that being seen, you know, like exposed in that way, had me like really sort of like face the shame I felt about myself as, as a black woman, as someone who'd been raped, as someone whose like sexuality had not always been treated as, I don't wanna use the word precious so much, but respected, that's the word. As someone whose sexuality hadn't always been respected, opening up and finding that there were partners who could respect the boundaries of a gnome. Cause it's a big thing, right? It's like the container is the container. It's 15 minutes. There's nothing extra. You know, you don't even have to have tea with your partners afterwards. And this was important. It was really just men who were there for the practice, there for their own awakening, there for my freedom. And it was like, so that really, really, you know, changed my relationship with men and also with myself and my sexuality. And so I don't necessarily think that it's, you know, everyone needs to do that. I know that for some people, there'll be transformational goal gold and like sticking with one partner with their primary partner and just learning the consistency of practice with one person so I think you know different folks different strokes if I'm honest yeah thank you for sharing so vulnerably and it's so inspiring when you when you speak about your your youth and being raped when you're so young and like that transition to where you're now leading other women and men and their sexual freedom it's so powerful so I'm, I'm so so grateful that you shared Thank that you. it's so Thank moving you. and it, it just shows what's possible with the practice where it can be really healing because 
I think the main thing I got from the practice, like so many things I got from the practice, but was actually loving men, mm. right? Is like having men show up every day, depending on how organized I was, <laughs> to like stroke my clip for nothing else but to do the practice. And like you said, for their own awakening, mm. um, radicalized my view of men. I was like, well, if men can be so loving and generous and um, considerate and, res- yeah. and respect boundaries, I was like, wow, there are great men in the world. It just transformed my view. And um, yeah, so I had a similar healing experience. And the question I always get asked, I'm gonna ask you is why do men do it? Why do men, why do men do this practice of inner for the man, the classic own um, question. Yeah, I think, you know, my, you know, now I know like hundreds of men in this practice and I know that, you know, many of them started because they thought it was going to give them access to loads of women's genitals. Let's be honest. I mean, they start off and that's the starting point. And then, you know, um, something, something clicks, you know, um, 10 ohms and 20 ohms and discovering that they're there for their own experience. Because one of the things that ohm you know, like invites us to do is be like 100% responsible for our experience in a gnome and to be there for ourselves. And it's like 20 ohms in the discovery of what it means to be there for yourself in an experience that you're sharing with someone else. I think for a lot of men is like mind blowing, you know, it's like when I train men, they talk about even being, um, even having sexual intimacy based on pleasing the woman or feeling so much pressure, you know, to perform. And it's like, it, it just, it starts to like really um, like reframe what it means to be connected to, to the feminine or to, yeah, to, to female sexuality. And so I think a lot of men stay to discover who they can become, you know, in this experience of just being there for themselves and being a hundred percent responsible for the experience. And they do grow. Like if they stick around enough, they see it, you know, some guys that come in looking really disheveled and then they, you know, <laughs> you know, what do we call it? Where they glam up. We're like, wait, is that that same guy yeah. from six months ago? What happened to him? You know, and all he's been doing is the practice, but somehow, you know, he gets really smoothed out. He's comfortable in his body. He's dropped a shed load of, of shame and other men see this and they're like, I want that too. And so I'd say that's, that's why men do it. Yeah. Well, you stroke enough pussy, like you, you have a certain level of confidence and mastery. That's the thing. It's like, it's irradiates. It's like a man who's like, oh, I know how to handle pussy. It's hot. It's just like, no denying it. And I think one of the things that I often hear from men is that they just find that it's such a privilege that a woman would be so vulnerable. I think Mm -hmm. for them, it's such a gift that, um, yeah, that, that women open their legs, the most vulnerable pose you can take mm-hmm. and share yourself with them. And like, there's a way that, yeah, they, they find that really beautiful to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's something there too, because I was having a conversation with a friend and you're saying, hey, okay, you, should, you should teach this course. Because, you know, we talk about, you know, Om giving men access to feminines or the language of the feminine. And I think that's a big piece of it too. You know, it's like, you know, this 15 minutes at a time dropping all the way into their bodies and learning what it means to really feel and then feel at the level of something so subtle is like, you know, where is there more heat? Where is there more electricity? You know, allowing their finger to be drawn basically by instinct, right? By like by intuition and discovering in that what for, for many women has been quite natural, right? So women are much more connected to their intuition, to that gut, whether they use it or not is a whole other thing, which Om gives you permission for. But, you know, 
for men, OM like opens them up to, wow, I can feel and I can feel at that subtle level. And I can, you know, I can now speak this language that then, you know, as you say, it's like they're stroking all these genitals and they're like, oh, I got this competence. But I think the competence is in being able to to now feel that at the subtle level at which women communicate, not just in an OM, but in life generally. So, yeah. Yeah, and I've experienced that with OMing men as partners. There's a way that they're just, they just, like they can just hear what I'm saying without me saying it. You know, it tuned in to the right? feminine frequency. <laughs> it's so, <laughs> so good. good. It's so good. It's, yeah, and it's like confronting. It's like, oh, you heard that. <laughs> right. You can't quite hide in the same way. No. Yeah. No. no. Yeah. No. I can actually find that a bit challenging. Not so much with um in my relationships, but with myself. I found that the more that I own, the more that I own the more I can really feel what's going on and I'm not able to hide from it in the way that I used to be able to hide from it. So that can be quite confronting just to say that it's like my feelings are, you know, they're very connectable now. And once they're there and I can see what's going on, it's like, I can't lie about it anymore. I can't deflect. I can't, you know, I, I think I used to probably um, blow a lot of smoke at men. So it's not only them, you know, like the, my own partners who can tell, but even for me now, I can't blow the same kind of smoke because it just feels so disingenuous. It doesn't sit, sit well in my body alone. Yeah, I love this. It's where, where you're so, where you can't hide from truth. And one thing I've noticed is like, I can feel boundaries in my body when I'm a no to something. It's such a subtle practice initially, but now it's like, oh, I don't want to do something. Like if I'm in conversation with someone, they're talking to me, I don't want to be there. I don't, I can't be there. That's my actual favorite home topic. Just saying, personal power is my favorite OM topic because I think it's the first thing, um, at least it was the first thing that shifted for me, just this notion that, you know, um, yeah, that I was doing, that I'm doing the choosing. And so my yeses and my noes really became important as choice points. You know, I had to be aware that if I'm 100% responsible for my experience, I'm the one saying yes, I'm the one saying no. I can no longer go, you made me do it or you put pressure on me to do it. It's like, at the even at the subtlest levels, I was now the one that, well, I was always the one, but now I knew I was the one, you know, making the choice. And so, yeah, I favorite, favorite home topic. Anybody who knows me knows I wax lyrical about it. <laughs> yeah, so anything I do and I have a slight moan, you're straight in there like feeling that's your responsibility. Right. Yeah, you're being 100% responsible, but remember to do it for me because, you know, when it hurts, I am just like, oh, it's not as perfect as it, you know, as it can seem when I'm on. Yeah, and I that that's one of my favorite things that I got from Ohm is that like that piece around boundaries and responsibility, because then it's changed my sex life, because then it's enabled me to go into like experience different sexual scenarios that I wouldn't have done if I didn't have that ability to say yes or no. I think I would have just been too afraid to try some experiences because I was like, oh, you know, people will take advantage of me, and instead of going in, they're so solid has given me a lot of freedom to experiment in so many ways. I love that. I love that. Because me, that too, you know, I got, you know, a lot of freedom there too in terms of like asking for things because of like the solid container of OM. You know, so it's like we know like OM is 15 minutes. You always wear gloves. There's a timer. And because, you know, like I practice this thing over and over and I had partners with whom I could practice this over and over. There's a way that I learned to do that in the other areas of my life too to create safety. It's like, this is the length of time I want to have this experience for. And this is what I want in there. And this is what I don't want in there. And I be, you know, it, it 
became possible to ask for what I wanted in very specific detail to create a sense of safety. And now I just get that I am, you know, safety is where I am because I know how to ask for what I need. As you say, boundaries, my boundaries are clear and my yeses and nos are clear as well. So I love that, Quillen. Yeah. And um, yeah, I love that, that journey around your yeses and nos where it happens in the, in, the, in the container. As you say container, anyone who's curious, what does a container mean? It's basically like the rules of, of OM and we just call it the container. Um, what I'd love for you to do is to tell me what you're now doing in community. What are your projects that are ongoing at the moment that people, if they're curious about learning how to OM, what can they tap into what's currently available? Yeah. Um, so, so community-wise, obviously, like you know, we've just have we've just had COVID. Have COVID. I don't know why I'm in the past tense with it because we're all kind of in varying degrees of like coming back out to discover, you know, what life is going to be like um, now that we've had this global pandemic. Um, so, as I said at the beginning, I'm part of the London Home community. But what we've been doing over the last four to five months, so me and a couple of other certified home life coaches, is creating something called the International Home Community. And what that is pretty much is like a virtual space for own practitioners from all over the world to like connect. And so we do things like speed dates and we have like weekly calls. Like gender my calls. Oh my God, yeah, yeah our first success story. So good. So good, yeah. So we do, we, yeah, we do like fun things in community. And most importantly for, um, you know, the people who are co-creating this with me is that we wanted to make sure that people had a place where they could continue to develop themselves through OM. Because, you know, the practice is like one thing, but like, un, you know, as in getting into the nest, it's not just one thing, it's the most important thing in some ways, right? So you get into the nest, you make it a regular practice, it begins to change your life just by virtue of what it is. And then there is just this whole like philosophy that goes along with it that really, really enriches your life. It's like really understanding what you're doing. I mean, I'd hate to own with somebody who didn't know what they were doing that didn't know about the 100% responsibility, that didn't know that they were there for their own experience, that didn't know that, you know, they had volition. You know, it's like, I still meet struggles who say like, oh, you know, for the first time this week, I adjusted my own position in the nest. Like they've been homing for like 18 months, two years, uncomfortable and didn't know. So all of these things are like, they're important conversations to be had. The, the practice can seem very simple, but in essence, it's got it's so much depth and richness to it. And so for us, it's been really important that people be able to tap in to that depth and that richness, you know, through courses, you know, through, you know, we have like a weekly fellowship call, anything that, you know, helps people, you know, broaden their understanding of what the practice is and how it can help them personally and spiritually in their lives. And so, yeah, right now we're doing something on appetite and desire, an awesome course with um, yeah, Lubker and Kapil, who, you know, we're really, really responsible for bringing OM to Europe. Um, last month, we had our yeah, researching relationships with Angela Richardson. We have Monday night um, calls with certified OM life coaches around different aspects of OM, where the, the coaches literally talks about their own experience of OM and guides people through a conversation about how it is for them. And so yeah, we got lots going on in the international OM community. And I'm really, really proud that next year we're doing like the second international own community retreat. And what we're hoping is that at least a minimum of 30 people come in from countries all around the world and we'll spend five days together practicing, learning together. And yeah, just kind of lighting up the power grid basically with orgasm. So yeah, that's what we're up to, Quilin. Well, thank you, Anika. That was so <laughs> Let me close that out. Oh, that was so amazing. So inspiring. I love you. Thank you for being so generous with your time and with your insights.
and yeah talk to you soon thank you for listening to this week's recording of in bed with Queen. please subscribe and share amongst your friends in your social networks